2019 Helpful A to Z of Travel, 26 Cool Things to Know from what's behind your frequent flyer file to speaking the world's only true international language, airport buses it doesn't seem to matter where you go in the world, when you have to take a bus from your terminal to your aircraft it feels like you're in the film Groundhog Day, where you're riding in the same vehicle over and over. Well, that's because you are, but have you ever wondered where those buses come from? The Cobus 3000 is built in Germany, and since it first appeared at Zurich Airport in 1978 it has practically cornered the market in terminal transport, even if you don't recognize the name you'd recognize the vehicle—the distinctive buses are long, wide and close to the ground and mark the start and often end of many great adventures, each bus can carry up to 112 jet-lagged, duty-free laden, gently swaying people on a carefully marked route around terminal buildings, across tarmacs and beneath the tails of towering jets, with more than 3,000 vehicles currently at over 350 airports around the world, the Cobus 3000 is as common a sight on airport ramps around the world as aircraft, baggage containers and runway lights. Who knew that little bus had such an illustrious history? Behind the boarding pass whether paper or electronic, boarding passes are the Willy Wonka golden tickets of travel. Once you have one in your eager and sweaty little hands, the world is your oyster. Or at least the flight you've booked and paid for is, but boarding passes are more than just your entryway onto an aircraft's jetway. Those barcodes and jumbles of letters and numbers contain heaps of information beyond the obvious bits like your name, flight number and seat, the airline's file number for you known as a record locator, and your frequent flyer number, this is all great for the airline, but also a potential goldmine for unsavory sorts. Identity theft is a big concern and the information on a boarding pass can not only provide access to your airline file, but possibly a great deal more if you have a detailed profile in your frequent flyer account that includes your address, email and other items you don't want falling into the wrong hands, so next time you're traveling, keep your boarding pass safe until such time as you can safely shred or delete it. Sometimes, these days, everything just feels sinister, criminal record it's well known that anyone with a criminal record may have difficulty traveling to the United States. But did you know that also applies to just passing through the country if on a connecting flight to somewhere else, the U.S.? Immigration and Nationality Act states that anyone found guilty of committing a crime involving moral turpitude will be denied entry. And yes, that feels like a strange phrase to actually utter, such crimes include the obvious like murder, rape and bank robbery, but also extend to things like forgery, destruction of property, perjury and being an accomplice to a crime. Generally speaking, if your crime is a first offense and doesn't involve drugs, and the sentence was less than six months in jail, the U.S. will likely grant a petty offense exemption. This is from U.S. Customs and Border Protection. At this time, driving under the influence, breaking and entering, disorderly conduct and simple assault are not considered crimes that make a person inadmissible to the U.S. If not, whether you're heading to California for a week or spending an hour in Miami International Airport can Connecting to a flight to Brazil, you'll need to apply to the U.S. Department of Homeland Security for what's called a U.S. waiver of inadmissibility. There's no guarantee of success, the process can take months, and even if you get one, it may only be a one time waiver, not a permanent clearance. So just be good people, danger. 
Deep vein thromboses There are many afflictions common with travelers but few nicknamed after them. Unlike many travel maladies, deep vein thrombosis isn't contracted by unclean water or insect bites and there's no vaccination to prevent it, however, there are things that can be done to lower the risk of developing it. DVT is the formation of a blood clot, often in the leg. In extreme cases the clot can travel to the lung and cause a possibly fatal pulmonary embolism although not limited to flyers the mere fact that two of its nicknames are economy class syndrome and travelers thrombosis hint at the link between it and jet setters DVT has a number of causes including prolonged inactivity such as embarking on a long flight although indications of it can include a swollen or painful leg there are often no symptoms at all in order to reduce risk passengers should move or exercise their legs as much as possible on a flight even and especially when seated and should consider wearing compression stockings doesn't make you old people not that there's anything wrong with that Esperanto anyone who has traveled extensively knows how tricky it can be to navigate a country in which you don't understand the language and can't read the alphabet it's one thing to muddle through in France or Spain but quite another to cope in rural South Korea or China in the 1870s a Polish ophthalmologist named LL Zamenhof set about to create a universal language he called it Esperanto, and it draws two-thirds of its vocabulary from the Romance languages Spanish, French, Portuguese, Italian and Romanian, one-third from German, and uses a Latin script alphabet. Although Esperanto didn't quite catch on the way he had hoped, Zamenhof would likely be pleased to know that according to the Universal Esperanto Association, there are a reported two million Esperanto speakers in the world today. There's also an Esperanto Wikipedia, and it's even included in Google translate. Although it's most widely spoken in Europe, East Asia and South America, the chances of finding someone in a market in Cusco, Peru who speaks it and can help with directions are, unfortunately, rather slim. But sometimes, it's just the thought—the effort at universal peace and understanding—that counts. Esperas si estas helpama, flight connection times whenever you have to change aircraft to reach a destination, be aware of the airline's minimum connection time. Every airline has a minimum time required for a passenger to connect between two of its flights, this can vary from airline to airline, from airport to airport, and takes into consideration such things as the amount of time it takes to transfer your bags, as well as how long it will likely take you to make that same journey, while connection times are calculated to be as convenient as possible so you don't have to spin your wheels in the departure lounge for six hours, airlines also don't want you arriving at your destination without your luggage, if you book a connection that's tighter than permitted, don't expect much sympathy or assistance if you arrive late at the second gate, but if you book what's referred to as a legal connection, the airline is required to rebook you on the first available flight to your ultimate destination if the delay was their fault. So plan accordingly and relax. Generally, you don't have to be Usain Bolt to get to your connecting flight, Greek weddings well, this one is bit of a stretch but this came to mind when I was thinking about hidden food items. It comes from a classic line in the hit movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, when one of the characters announces an aversion to meat and Aunt Vula responds, that's okay. I make lamb. 
For many travelers with food requirements, that exchange rings perilously true, even in countries that mandate that all nutritional information be divulged, many food establishments still don't tell you everything in a dish. They will likely forewarn you of nuts due to life-threatening allergies, but may not warn of the inclusion of coriander—the polarizing leafy green that turns some people into slavering werewolves. Elsewhere in the world, it's often even more difficult to know what's in your food. A nice pasta sauce just might include unadvertised meat, a bowl of rice may have an anonymous egg, a gravy may have been thickened with unannounced gluten, and a soup may contain hidden shellfish. If your diet is restricted by health, religion or preference, research the local food specialities of your destination so you know before you go and know before you order. And keep a translation app or dictionary close at hand. Hats off to Hartsfield Jackson International. According to the CIA World Factbook, there were 41,821 airports in the world in 2013, ranging from just one each in places like Aruba, Malta, and Tuvalu, to 13,513 in the United States alone. As anyone who has ever traveled knows, not all airports are the same. Some are wooden shacks beside a lone dirt runway, while others house sprawling complexes that offer more stores than your local mall. One of the busiest airports in the world is currently Hartsfield Jackson Atlanta International Airport in Georgia, USA, which saw more than 101 million passengers pass through its glass windowed walls in 2015 alone. The airport was named after two former Atlanta mayors, William B. Hartsfield, who famously called Atlanta the city too busy to hate when its public schools were desegregated in 1961, and Maynard Jackson, the city's first black mayor, who was a powerhouse in the 1970s, 80s and 90s, still the longest-serving mayors in Atlanta history, both made aviation development a priority and were central to making the airport into the international hub it is today, but they're not the only locals to be honored with an airport. There's Louis Armstrong International in New Orleans and Birmingham Shuttlesworth International Airport in Alabama, named after Fred Shuttlesworth, a maverick American civil rights leader who worked alongside Dr. King. Lech Walesa Airport in Gdansk, Poland, where the shipyard worker turned solidarity leader stood up to communist rule that ended with the fall of the Berlin Wall, and Robin Hood Airport Doncaster Sheffield in England, where it said baggage handlers honor their namesake by taking fancy luggage from the rich and giving them to the poor. Well, that last part is not actually not true, infestations ignored at peril Backpackers, campers and budget travelers have long faced the perils of being bitten, stung and not on by creepy crawlies around the world. Most believe the more budget the accommodation and more tropical the destination, the more likely you are to awaken with welts, bites and itchy bumps. But you're more likely to encounter the bloodsucking parasites that are bed bugs in a four-star hotel in a place like New York City than in a bamboo backpacker's bed flop in a developing nation like Liberia. Some suggest this is because of restrictions on harsh insecticides here that are still permitted elsewhere, but whatever the reason, before taking residence in your room you should take a few simple precautions, from checking online for reports of infestations in your hotel, to checking the mattress for blood spots 
spots, take some time to search for evidence of bed bugs, keep your luggage sealed in plastic bags and never place your bags on carpets or a spare bed, unless you want to return home with more than just shot glasses and fridge magnets, jumbo jumbo jet, when the Boeing 747, otherwise known as the jumbo jet, first took to the sky in 1969, the world watched in amazement. Although still a common sight across the globe, the 747 is somewhat dwarfed these days by the world's current biggest aircraft, the Airlander 10—a combination airship, helicopter and plane—is built by Hybrid Air Vehicles of England and is currently undergoing test flights. The airship measures 92 meters in length compared to the 70.6 meter long Boeing 747 to 400 and the 73 meter long Airbus A380 can cruise at 148 kilometers per hour and according to its website can incredibly stay aloft for up to 5 days if manned and 2 weeks unmanned. How is that even possible? Originally designed as a military vehicle, have are now developing their aircraft for civilian uses, including the possibility of making it an airliner with a customized luxury passenger cabin beneath, so next time you complain you don't have enough time to watch all the movies you want on your transatlantic crossing, consider passage on the Airlander 10, where you could feasibly watch 19 two-hour feature films back-to-back. Probably best not to choose the 1975 epic, The Hindenburg, King Arthur Redixon 2017, Guy Ritchie's film King Arthur, Legend of the Sword was released, starring silver screen superstars Charlie Hunnam, Jude Law, Jaiman Hansu and David Beckham. Well, the latter only had 13 lines, while you were able to watch the movie everywhere, real fans will settle for nothing less than following in the footsteps of the legendary king, all the way to Camelot. Despite some disputing whether the 1,500-year-old king ever existed, there is no shortage of alleged Camelots scattered throughout England and Wales. One of the best to visit is Tintagel Castle in Cornwall, a stone and rubble medieval ruin that some claim was the site of Arthur's conception and a stomping ground of magical Merlin. South Wales offers Carolian, an ancient Roman legionary fort, while Somerset in southwestern England presents Cadbury Castle, once known rather enticingly as Camelot. Finally, there's Winchester in Hampshire, in whose castle's great hall hangs nothing short of a jolly big, wooden round table around which purportedly sat Arthur's legendary knights—though there's no mention of David Beckham ever having visited. Might have, though, lithium batteries in late summer 2016. The U.S. Federal Aviation Administration advised airline passengers not to power on, recharge, plug in, or place in their checked baggage any Samsung Galaxy Note 7 smartphone while on board any aircraft. The instruction came after numerous reports of the device's battery bursting into flames. Not long afterwards many airlines outright banned the phone entirely, and finally both Transport Canada and the U.S. Department of Transportation followed suit. At this point, if you're traveling with a Note 7, I advise checking before you go pretty much anywhere or any way. It's also been banned by Canada Post and Amtrak. Of course, what I really advise is to take advantage of their recall and get your money back. Samsung's battery problem wasn't the first faced by the airline industry, as some years ago similar reports of fires and explosions from spare, that is, unconnected lithium-ion and lithium-metal batteries prompted many airlines and authorities to restrict those power sources. 
Precautions that remain in effect today, if you are traveling with any such battery or recharger, the FAA requires they be removed from your carry-on and kept on your person, and that spare batteries terminals be properly protected to prevent them from coming into contact with each other or contact with other metal. Also, any battery type recalled by its manufacturer is not permitted on any U.S. aircraft, whether connected or unconnected. Movies in the air Unbelievably, the first movies ever shown on an airline flight reportedly date back to the 1920s when both commercial aviation and cinema were in their infancy. By the 1960s, in flight movies were becoming commonplace, and by the 1970s, most passengers were delighted to find a movie shown on a single screen at the front of each cabin even if Digby the biggest dog in the world wasn't necessarily their ideal fare. Today, it's usual on long-haul flights to have your own screen on the seatback in front of you, and on big airlines an impressive array of movies and shows are just a touch away, yet the days of the in-flight movie may be fast coming to an end. Saudi Arabian Airlines recently joined the list of carriers now offering Wi-Fi during flights, thereby enabling passengers to access in-flight entertainment on their own devices. And some observers believe it's only a matter of time before seatback screens are gone altogether, and anyone wanting a visual distraction will have to bring their own viewer on board though I can't believe that cost and or savings aren't also a consideration. So thanks for that, Tech Revolution, Nakumaroroth International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery known as TIGHAR claimed to have solved one of the biggest mysteries of all time, the disappearance of aviation legend Amelia Earhart. In 1937, Earhart and navigator Fred Noonan were attempting to fly around the world when, after taking off from what is today Papua New Guinea, they simply disappeared. After decades of hunting, TIGHAR has concluded that they crash-landed by Gardner Island in the western Pacific, where they eventually died as castaways. If you want to follow in her footsteps with hopefully greater success, Nakumaroro as Gardner is now known is an uninhabited island within the Phoenix Islands protected area, part of the nation of Kiribati. There are no runways so access must be by boat, and given that it's more than 1,500 kilometers away from its own capital, the effort is quite a haul whichever way you do it, but getting back to Earhart, her odyssey has a distinctly Canadian connection. She once proclaimed that while working as a nurse in Toronto in 1918, the sight of an air display at the Canadian National Exhibition led to her wanting to become a pilot. Do you get anxious or have panic attacks when you fly? Learn how to conquer your fear of flying. You're about to change your life. Click to learn more. 